Welcome to another episode. I am B, and this is the Sussex Set. Welcome to episode 45. Man, things are really moving fast. I hope you guys are taking care of yourselves. These are truly historic times, and hopefully, you're a participant, not just a witness, but man, shout out to the people who are refusing to take no for an answer when the right thing to do is always the right thing to do fighting for your rights and fighting for other people's rights, especially when it comes to police brutality, and we've seen so much of it lately, that's always the right thing to do. So Black Lives Matter, Black Lives have always mattered. And it's quite interesting to see how the British media seems to quote unquote agree (laughs) when everything we've seen from them in the last two years has said the opposite. And all of a sudden, it's Black Lives Matter. So let's talk about the hypocrisy of the British media, shall we? I mean, granted, I'm in America. I don't watch a whole lot of British media, but the little that I see, it's been a big change in the last couple of weeks, just based on the events that are happening in America, because American media has to and must talk about the events that are happening over here. Okay, of course, what's happening over here is a global story, but American media must talk about it. British media doesn't have to talk about it as much as they have. But based on what I've been seeing, I've never seen so many black people on British morning television (laughs) on the few clips that I've seen. When in the past couple of years, when Megan was living in England, there weren't a whole lot of black people talking about the black experience. Now, granted, Megan's experience as a royal is not the typical black experience of black English folks, but surely black people in Great Britain have been experiencing racism since before the Black Lives Matter protests over here, right? I mean, right? But suddenly, you know, they're bringing in the people probably that they should have been having on, even if just to talk about Meghan Markle, say this moment hadn't happened. Okay, well, I see a whole bunch of white people talking about Meghan. Don't see a whole lot of black people talking about Meghan, unless it's about the racism that she's facing. But anyway, it's good to see that the conversation is at least happening over there. I know every once in a while it does. It usually coincides with what is happening over here. And for y'all's sake, I hope it continues. Harry and Meghan have, as I mentioned on the previous podcast, have a history of not necessarily being outspoken about race, but about racism. I think they are the only ones who can actually get away with making a definitive comment or gesture about what's currently happening in America. And we see, just as Meghan has released her statement, which I'll talk about in a moment, she has a right to, in a way that when we're talking about the royal family, the rest just don't. And as far as Harry and Meghan goes, they've made it very clear that people of color are not just a photo op. Other people in the royal family, they can't say that. So I definitely appreciate that about Harry and Meghan. Harry has often talked about the racism that his wife has experienced even before she was his wife. And we know that Meghan has been a victim of racist news coverage. That's why I opened talking about the hypocrisy of the British media and how they claim to care about black lives. And everybody's releasing a black block, a black square on Instagram, a black message or text with black backgrounds and all of this saying, oh, we stand with black lives. And do you? Now, of course, the racism that Meghan experienced Does it equate with what's currently happening in the States, with what people are experiencing or have experienced? Not necessarily. But has England or the British media or the British royal family demonstrated that her life as a woman of color 
and as a woman of African descent, demonstrated that her life matters just as much as theirs or who they consider the true royals? No, they have not. Harry has and has since day one. He's gotten flagged for that. But all of a sudden, it's Black Lives Matter. I don't appreciate that. But as I said, I will come back to that. So last week, I talked about the Cambridges, particularly Kate Middleton and the Tatler article, the puff piece that was designed to prop sis up and tear Megan down, of course, because they can't keep Megan's name about their mouths. Well, it looks like she's suing and they have tattled. Who's the tattler now to what is it? Ipso, IPSO, who's supposed to be a watchdog for, I guess, shoddy journalism. Don't know a whole lot about it, but I got to say it's not so much about the Cambridges. Of course, it is about them, but like the hypocrisy even surrounding that, the fact that they're going to sue, which if it's their right, sure. But also the fact that Tatler's still not backing down from the fact that KP cooperated. Like they knew what the article was going to be and they willingly participated. And the folks at Tatler just haven't changed their story. And Kate is somehow being championed as this freedom fighter who's like fighting for the rights of all, all duchesses everywhere because all duchesses matter. Like she's being championed as this hero for defending her name. And yeah, we saw how KP, they came out and they released that statement saying it was full of inaccuracies after one article that was perceived as unflattering to Kate. There have been literally hundreds of articles written about Megan and they didn't stand up for her one time. But if you let the princess trust and heads together tell it, Black Lives Matter, because that's what they said today. That's who KP is hiding behind. That's how they're releasing their Black Lives Matter statement. They're not putting their face to it because they better not, right? But Kate, she's a legal champion around here, fighting for her rights, fighting for her rights to lie on folks, fighting for her right to throw the rock and hide her hand. I guess. I just thought, I just think that's, you know, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad. And I think throughout the past couple of days, of course, the world has pivoted to turn its attention to the protests happening in the States. But if I'm looking at it just as a layperson who's even half paying attention to that whole Tatler fiasco, I feel like the Cambridges have like completely lost their credibility. Any that they had, it should be gone now. And they're only trying to save face. That's what the whole lawsuit looks like to me. Because again, the guy at Tatler, he's not backing down. It may be dawning on them that no one cares, which is probably worse than people criticizing them. But newsflash, the world has bigger problems than to care about how exhausted being a duchess actually makes you. So the other article coming out about how Kate didn't really want to show Megan the ropes when she came along and supposedly put up excuses for going out and shopping together, etc. That could be fluff. That was something I saw in the Daily Mail. It could be a modicum of truth in there. I don't know, but either way, it fits the brand of Kate being a not-so-nice individual. And that's me being as nice as I can be, because I actually had something else to say in mind, but I'm just going to call her not-so-nice, because she doesn't seem so nice. She doesn't. And I'm sorry. I'm never going to like her. Rude at the Commonwealth Service. We all saw that. The world saw that. That became a news bite everywhere the very next day. Never once 
in Meghan's two years as being a royal, never once did Kate actually speak up for Meghan. That's as glaring a sign as any. And then, of course, the whole tightsgate thing, plus the wearing the white to the wedding. I mean, it's just little things. One thing, if you look at it, it probably wouldn't be that big of a deal. But you know how they say hindsight is twenty twenty. You look back at it and you look at it all together and then you see all the pieces right there. To her credit, though, Kate is more cunning than she appears. She is not the sharpest tool in the shed, not by a long shot. But does she play the things that she knows will work, especially compared to a black duchess people are so hell-bent on hating? Yep, that involves playing the victim. That involves being silent, deliberately being silent. When the woman directly adjacent to you is suffering through her pregnancy. And that involves, again, throwing rocks and hiding your hand whenever possible so that she can always fall back on the praise, the undeserved praise, mind you, all at the expense of Megan. But again, all of a sudden now it's Black Lives Matter. But it's all good. We're going to let Kate do Kate. She can't hide behind anybody. Neither can Humpty Dumpty now that the shields, Harry and Megan, are gone. But just keep Harry and Megan's name out your mouth. That's all you had to do in the first place. And we'll just leave y'all be where you at. Now, I want to take a turn real quick and bear with me. Suddenly, all these Caucasians, and I'm talking about specific people here, these people with platforms are getting a conscience when all this time, we, as in Sussex Squad, right, we were literally the only ones saying anything about racism when Megan was being attacked in the media. And I'm speaking people on Twitter, people on Instagram, platforms on YouTube. Now that being against racism is on trend again, because it happens every couple of years. This is probably the most extreme I've seen it, but it's on trend. Everybody has a story. You know, everybody has an experience they want to share. Most people so far, like major platforms, all they posted was a little black square, and that's fine. But everybody's like an advocate now, like a little baby advocate. Everyone who sat there and bullied this woman is now pretending to care about black lives. And see, this is why we don't trust y'all. And that's why when we hear that from you, we mock you and we look at you with contempt because you are full of it. Now y'all out here posting links and again, black squares and hashtags. Girl, keep it because rest assured, we see you for who you are at your core. Take Gary Gennetti, for example. And I hate to give him free publicity, but this is important to me. This guy's Instagram didn't grow to what it is until he started bullying Megan. Y'all know that, right? Using a child's image, a child, an elementary school age boy, using his image to bully a woman who's done nothing to him. Well, you know, what he did, and I feel knowingly, was he signaled to the racist, bigoted Emily's, Karen's, and Becky's. He signaled to them you know what? Here's a safe space for you to hate a black woman who's only just trying to live her life. And he has done this for literal years, insinuating the worst things about her and allowing some of the most egregious comments about her existence. He knowingly made a safe place for the kinds of tormentors that racially abused her for the first two years of her marriage and the entirety of her pregnancy. But now, all of a sudden, if you go to his page, it's hashtag Black Lives Matter. And he posted the black square and, 
you know, everything on Blackout Tuesday. But guess what? He turned the comments off on that post. And do you want to know why? Because Gary Janetti knows exactly who his followers are, who his audience is. And he knows that his comments would be full of all lives matter as a response, which, by the way, is very offensive. You know why? Because like if you had breast cancer, right? And you say, you know, let's fight to end breast cancer. I'm not going to say to you, well, what about bone and skin cancer? All cancers matter, sis. That's what y'all sound like. But his comments would have been full of all lives matter, gang. (laughs) And it would have been an embarrassment because he's not going to do the Seth Rogen. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to Seth Rogen's Instagram and see his Black Lives Matter post and go look at the comments and see his response to all the people who wrote in response to his post. When they wrote All Lives Matter, he wrote something very special back to them. Gary ain't going to do that because he don't want to lose no followers. He don't want to lose his audience. So he just rather turn the comments off. And side note, I'm noticing that a lot of white folks who are generally, you know, neutral, but with large platforms, global platforms, when they're posting like things in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, the moment that we're in, they turn the comments off because they're so afraid that their followers are going to show who they really are. It's a lot of people, famous and not, who just can't bring themselves to say those three little words, which are Black Lives Matter. It's not that other people don't. That was never what that meant. But they can't bring themselves to say it. And they always have to have a critique when someone is trying to say something in support of this moment. So I wasn't surprised by it at all that he turned the comments off. But it was really like, oh, right. You know who your audience is. And you don't want to be embarrassed. And this is an audience, mind you, that he has carefully cultivated over the last two years. And then he's posting links and stories to Black this and Black that. I mean, it's just really embarrassing. Gary, you don't think Black Lives Matter, sis? Because if you did, you wouldn't have been so eager to build your entire Instagram presence off the suffering of a Black woman. And I'm not saying Megan is some long-suffering Black woman who just is out here trying to make it. But she was the easy target when you chose to focus on the royal family. You picked the Black one to pick on. That is a fact. And so now you get in the conscience because we see you and we see all those Karens who follow you for who you are, bigoted opportunists. And people like this are only interested in the spectacle of the fight. They're not interested in doing anything real. They're much more interested in pretending to be an ally than actually being one pretending to care about fighting racism than actually doing anything to stop it and more afraid of being called a racist than of actually being one. Gary, girl, you can keep your links, sis, and then you can keep that same energy you had when you were calling Megan a gold digger and a deal or no deal girl or whatever else you had. We know who you are and we see you for exactly who you are. And another thing, Why were the Karens so eager for Megan to speak out about Black Lives Matter? When sis has never not spoken about race, she's been an activist since the age of 10 years old at the very least. Karen, can you shut the fuck up? For real, because nothing in your existence says that you care about the Black experience except for when you're calling the police on somebody. So whether Megan is speaking out about BLM or not, That should be of no consequence to you. You sound stupid. And we knew what was going to happen. 
when she finally did speak out. And personally, of course, I didn't know for a fact, but I felt like she was going to say something because of who she is, who her mother is. Again, she's never shied away from it. But I knew that when she finally did say something, the same people calling for her to speak out before she did would have their criticisms ready. We get it. We get it. She's damned if she does, damned if she doesn't. And it's your favorite game to play. Sis, no one gives a damn. It's tired. Please stop embarrassing yourselves and go get a hobby. Stop waiting on Megan to do the next thing. Megan is not a president. Megan ain't no, she's not even your future queen. She's not a politician in America. She's a person with an opinion. All right? Let you tell that she's not even royal no more. So why do you care? That's so you can criticize every little thing that she does. You know, I feel like people who criticize Megan are miserable when they don't hear any news from her. When it's like three, four weeks before you didn't heard anything from Megan in particular, they're miserable. And they don't perk up until she releases something so that they can sit there and criticize. Girl, go get you a hobby, please. Now, lastly, I want to pivot to talk about Megan's actual statement and what my takeaways are in the greater context of what's happening and what she's gone through personally in her time as a royal. Now, her experience, while very unique to her, was something that we all witnessed and we all saw how her treatment was rooted in racism and the racism a certain society doesn't seem to think is actually there, which in and of itself is dangerous. Well, her husband, like I said, he knew it was there even before he proposed. But other English folks don't seem to think racism is an issue in their society. Well, Megan, from her home in America, meaning America, her homeland, released a statement just today. Today's the fourth. And the statement was directed at the girls graduating from her alma mater, her high school, the Immaculate Heart High School. And she implored the girls to take up their responsibility as citizens and to use their voices for good, to move in compassion and empathy, and to amplify voices that need amplifying. Things that she does with her life, right? She's walking the walk. So she spoke about the recent murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and she made it clear that she's not shying away from the phrase Black Lives Matter. Never has she. And in reality, how could she, given her mother is a whole Black woman, right? So Queen also said something that was incredibly important, which I hadn't seen a whole lot of people highlighting, and so I want to highlight it here. She said to them, and the reason why it stuck out to me was with the passion that she said it. It really made me proud, but it was just like, yeah, Megan. But she said, you know, when you turn 18, if you're not 18 already, what you're going to do is you're going to register and you're going to vote. It was like, I'm commanding you to do this thing. That's a civic responsibility. So it's not just about marching and protesting and supporting businesses and initiatives that are supportive of the cause, but it's about using your voice to be the cause. And that means voting and holding elected officials accountable, not just on the national level, not just when it comes to getting rid of Trump, not just when it comes to getting rid of people like Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham. We're talking about people at the city level, the state level, and the national level. So you're going to turn 18. And what you're going to do is you're going to register, right? You're going to register and then you're going to go vote. 
Big up to her for saying that. Because, you know, when you really look at it, police like Chauvin, who is a guy that that killed George Floyd, they don't exist in a vacuum. They're allowed to exist within their profession without fear of consequence for their action. And people that allow them to remain there, yeah, they're bosses, but really they're the elected officials who look away, who have the power to hold them accountable, to hold the profession accountable, the police force accountable, but they don't. And the reason many of these elected officials look away when something like this happens is because it's politically expedient to do so. And it's not just a Republican thing because Democrats turn around and they tell Black people and they tell young people and LGBTQIA people and poor people, well, who else are you going to vote for? And we turn around and we accept the status quo. So it was very important for me to hear Megan say that to young people, go vote, because while she's recording it for the girls at the Immaculate Heart High School, She's speaking to young people everywhere. Queen knows that, and she knows her influence, and so she uses it in a way that is meaningful. Young people, if you're listening to this, voting is cool. So do it. It's cooler than doing dumbass dances on TikTok. So, girl, go vote. But seriously, I'm glad that she also didn't shy away from what's happening in America She referenced being a kid in the 1990s when Rodney King was beaten and the race riots broke out in L.A. And when I heard that, I was reminded that racism is really as American as apple pie. You hear that phrase a lot and it's a little cliche, but it's so true. It's so true. I mean, racism is in the thread that makes up the fabric of this nation, right? But it's a disease that, if we're not careful, will bring this nation to its knees. So I thought, dang, that was over 25 years ago. That's more than half my life ago. And here we are in 2020, still seeing the same types of racism, same types of brutality, because the race riots in L.A. were about police brutality. Racism in America is real. That's not conjecture. It is a fact. And it has no place in civilized society. And so in my mind, that's binary. A society with a little bit, quote unquote, a little bit of racism is no better than the society that has blatant racism and oppression. Because when we say Black Lives Matter and Native Lives Matter and Trans Lives Matter and Brown Lives Matter in a society where those groups have been oppressed, there's a reason for having to say it in the first place. So. While many people around the world look at America and say it's a wasteland or a place that they're glad that they don't have to live, etc. In supporting the protesters here, however y'all are supporting protesters in your own way, don't forget to take a long, hard look at your own society. Because racism is a disease and it infects you without you even realizing it. So, like, you don't have to say the N-word to have unconscious biases. And just because you listen to Black music, and that's just an example. Or like I said, you can do a TikTok dance to Megan the Stallion. Or post a Black square on Instagram. Or tweet hashtags Black Lives Matter. It doesn't necessarily make you an ally. And I'm talking about people who are of all colors. It doesn't necessarily make you an ally. It doesn't prevent you from perpetuating racist attitudes that negatively impact the Black people 
who share your nationality. So, yeah, you may look at America and say, well, I'm glad we're not that. But in reality, you actually are, which is infected with racism to the degree it doesn't matter. And I feel like that's what a lot of Brits love to say. And again, I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but I've seen it so much in the last few days. But they say, oh, well, you know, we don't have that kind of racism here. Well, racism is racism. And Meghan's short-term tenure in the royal family showed that. And as far as I can see, largely only persons of color even spoke out about that. Now, again, suddenly everybody's speaking out about it or referencing it now on television. So in a way, it's like y'all get the courage from us. Because while I think it looks bad over here, which things are bad on many levels, (laughs) not gonna lie. I've said this once before, and I'll say it again. One thing we don't do, though, is lie to ourselves about how bad it is and what we see around us. We don't have that delusion, and we don't allow that delusion. To some extent, Brits do. And I said what I said. And in my younger days, I was actually sort of deluded into believing that. Because that's narrative, that idea that, you know, we Brits are different. We're different from that. You know, it's about being proud to be British. I think people kind of believe that to a large extent until Meghan Markle went over there as a duchess, the wife of a prince, and was show the door out, basically. But I went over there in 2011, the summer of 2011. I went over there twice that year. And it was rice that broke out when I was there. <laughs> and I thought, oh, OK, because I, I think someone had gotten killed by police in a black or brown neighborhood. And I thought, oh, okay, so they got racial tension over here, too. In a way, they're just like us. They just have accents and drink tea. And I carried on about my business because in a way, as an American, I was sort of used to it. But I just remember my English friends talking about how that just wasn't something that they experienced a lot and that their society is just a little bit different. And I was just like, is it though? You know, because I'm sort of used to that type of thing as American. But as an American, not just every once in a while, because I remember the 90s and the, the Rodney King riots, but I also know American history. And every decade, every couple of years, really, but definitely every decade, there's a major riot. And it's usually around something having to do with race. And most times, police are somewhere in the, in the middle of that conversation. So I kind of know what often are the underlying things that bubble to the surface that cause any group of people to just say, you know, we've had it. It's time to break some stuff. We want to burn down stuff. Not necessarily saying that's productive or good, but you understand the anger that causes you to get to that point. It's almost like there was a disconnect you know, with some of the English people I was speaking to regarding that because it was happening while I was there. And so I just thought that was a really interesting thing to observe. But one thing we can do in America, at least as individuals, is use our voices for our friends and for our neighbors, which is akin to like wearing a mask in public to stop the spread of a pandemic, which the mask isn't just for you, but is to protect other people. So speak up against racism, not just for yourself, but for your town, your city, your community, your country, because in general, people are sadly mistaken if they think racism is just a black person's problem. It's the opposite. It's everybody's problem. Speaking of America, white Americans 
I think, and just give me a minute, I think they kind of created this environment, helping to build and maintain systems that shore up their privileged positions in society, as well as ensuring a privileged position for their descendants. And speaking about the criminal justice system, it was never meant to protect people like me or like Megan mentioned, George Floyd or Tamir Rice or Breonna Taylor, who were all killed by police. Tamir Rice, if you don't know, because I know people listen to this from all over, Tamir Rice was a 12-year-old child who was murdered by police. So the same people, and I'm referencing white Americans now, who do benefit from systemic oppression of non-whites and disproportionately blacks, they must be the same ones taking action to dismantle it. Not just the system itself, but the racist ideas and implicit biases that cause deep and deadly divisions in our society. And it's not enough to just jump on a trend because it's cute. It's something you have to call out consistently and repeatedly from a position of privilege. So in essence, you have to do one of the hardest things that you have ever done in your white life, which is to sacrifice your comfort and inconvenience yourself so that your fellow countrymen of color don't have to fear for their lives or for the lives of their children and not have to worry about our sons and daughters hitting puberty already because that's the time when white society and the criminal justice system begins to see them as a threat to that very society so that we can go to prestigious schools without being called the affirmative action entry so that we can shop without being followed, so that we can apply for jobs without worrying if our names are too ethnic, or so that we can have simple traffic stops without being fearful of what could happen to us by the end of it. These things don't sound major on their own, or individually rather, but a lifetime of all of these things, that could drive a person mad, right? And you don't have to think about it if it never happens to you. You don't think about it because you never have to consider it. And when we bring up our experiences, don't tell us we're pulling the race card. Instead, why don't you pull out your ally card and listen? Because we have the same nationality, right? We're American. And you could say whether you want it to or not, we live in the same house. And so that means if my house is burning down, then by default, yours is burning down too. So before it actually gets to that point, when you see a fire, help us put that shit out. If you see a problem, help us fix it. Don't act like it's not your problem because I assure you it is. And that's why a message like Megan's is so important. That's why young people using their voices and their energy is so important. So thank you, Megan. You know what? Thank y'all, first and foremost, for letting me get on my soapbox. And I feel like I'm in Hyde Park at Speaker's Corner because, you know, some things just need to be said. But thank you, Megan, for using your voice. Your voice is powerful and your words carry very far and they convert into action as well. That is power that very few have. So continue to use that. And side note, I noticed her statement had plenty of people in their feelings in England again. The little ghetto that could, that supposedly is racism-free. Oh, girl, you can criticize us and it's cool, you know. Megan is back home. She's over here. And, 
you know, this country could burn down and she's still freer over here than she ever was in that little shithole country. Y'all see what I did there? Because, you know, y'all look over here and y'all see a war zone. And you're not wrong. Because we're a shithole country, too. Don't get it twisted. But at least over here we can all agree that the house is kind of on fire. Y'all won't even acknowledge y'all flames. So y'all over there roasting marshmallows. But I hope, you know, there's still hope. Y'all get it together one of these days. But uh, all jokes aside, racism is really a disease. And I hope everybody acknowledges it. That's really the only way that it, it can be corrected. It has to be acknowledged first whether you're there, whether you're here. I mean, I'm just glad that Megan's over here. And I'm glad that she's free and she can speak her mind without being criticized, without being hit over the head in articles every day over there. So I'm always going to have an ax to grind with England for how they treated her. But anyway, it's evident to me that the girls are mad and they realize, they see now (laughs) that they lost their crown jewel of the royal family. Yeah, I'm finna get under y'all's skin. Y'all lost the crown jewel. Her name was Meghan Markle. And of course, Harry, because Harry's the favorite anyway. So y'all lost two at one time. And you realize now that all y'all got left is fool's go. So y'all can be mad all you want, but she's back home now and she's free to say what she wants exactly as she wants. And y'all can't stifle her energy. You can't dim her light. You can't stop her back and you can't break her stride. Her voice matters. Her life matters. And she's making sure young people know that their voice and their lives matter too. And this is precisely why for the month of June, 100% of the proceeds from the podcast, I assure you, it's not a lot, but 100% will be going to the Know Your Rights camp. I will take what the proceeds are and I will match them 100% with my own funds and donate that to the Know Your Rights camp, which was started by former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick, who basically was kicked out of the NFL for speaking out against police brutality and kneeling during the national anthem. This is a national anthem that speaks about the joys of catching slaves in like the second or third verse. So just know that this is still America. But the protests, Colin Kaepernick's protests, it was never about the flag. It was never about the national anthem. It was only about the Americans who are still seeking the protections of their rights and a justice system that continues to violate those rights. So what Colin Kaepernick has done with his voice and his platform is to make sure young people feel empowered. And what he has built with the Know Your Rights camp is remarkable and important. This is a man who put his professional career on the line to shine a light on police brutality, which we see has always plagued Americans and disproportionately Black and Brown Americans. But what Colin Kaepernick has done, in addition to contributing his own money, which is in the millions, to put on these camps to teach young people about their rights as American citizens dealing with police presence, He's also set up a legal defense fund for those who have been victims of police brutality, as well as providing direct assistance to those currently protesting the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others. So all told, I'll be donating about $500 to the Know Your Rights camp this month. And shout out to the Set Fam, as always, for making the space to do that. 
make sure you check them out. If you want to learn more, that would be knowyourrightscamp.com. I'll put a link in the bio. There are other ways to contribute to the movement if you would like the movement against social injustice and racism. Many causes you can donate to. There are many books you can read if you want to learn a little bit more about the Black experience in America. If you want to learn about just being a better ally, learn how you can do that. Just seek the knowledge. Seek it out. It's there. I promise you, you can find it. You don't have to be out there marching in the streets because at the end of the day, we can all start by just being a little bit kinder to each other. That's as good a place to start as any. Well, that's about all I have for today. If you want to contribute to the podcast, join me and the Set Fam on Patreon at Sussex Set. Find me on Twitter at Sussex Squad or on Instagram at Sussex Set. And remember to choose kindness. And that includes showing kindness to yourself first and foremost. So until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me. 